We are continuing our series, uh, Jesus, uh, our series called Jesus, who he is and what he did. And it comes out of our theme verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Come on, a lot of people nowadays are trying to impress you with their latest philosophy and what they think is the right thing, right? He said this. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Amen. And that's what I've been trying to do throughout this, uh, this, this whole series. It just focused just on Jesus and him alone, which obviously that's our focus every time we come together, but specifically some attributes of who he is and what he's done. Week one, we talked about Jesus, the teacher. Week two, Jesus, the shepherd. Week three, Jesus, the miracle worker. Week four, Jesus, the lamb. And of course, last week with Easter was Jesus, the risen king. Today I'm going to show you from the scripture, week six is titled, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And the experience, what we can experience from this truth. Now listen, in here you say that like, yeah, all right, Jesus is God. And maybe not, maybe not everybody here. But I'm telling you, in the world we're living in, that statement is becoming more and more uh, um, uh, challenged every day we go on. People don't believe Jesus is God. They believe, some believe he's a good person, maybe a good moral teacher, or maybe even a prophet. There's other religions like, oh yeah, Jesus was a prophet, man. He, he was good at what he did, but they don't believe he is God. Jesus is the second part of the Godhead, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people say he's this and that. This morning I want to show you uh, clearly, because you know what, you may believe it, but you need to know. If people come up to you and say, oh yeah, Jesus was a prophet, he was a good teacher. They may believe with you that he was a teacher, that yeah, he shepherded his flock, but they might not believe he's God. The Bible says to be ready to give an answer to any man for the hope that lies within. So we need to know what the Bible says, and you need to be convicted of, I know 100% yes, that Jesus is God. And we know that if we want to know about Jesus, go to his words and what he said, right? So John 10, 30, verse 33, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you stoning me? Don't you love Jesus' response? He says, be as cunning as a serpent, as gentle as a dove. And again, he's the master at everything, but he was the master at this. They replied, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy, you, a mere man, claim to be God. So see, they knew when he said, me and the Father are one, they knew that he wasn't just saying, yeah, me and the Father are close, we tight. No, he, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious people, the, the Jewish people knew he was saying that I am God. Even back then, like people today, they didn't believe Jesus and who he said he was, and they were even trying to kill him. Let's look at another place in John where Jesus declares who he is. John 8, 23 and 24, Jesus continued. This is probably my favorite declaration here. You are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world and I do not. <coughs> Excuse me. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Later in that chapter, people are still refuting Jesus' claims and, and, and they're going back and forth with him. Let's pick up in verse 53. This is uh, the people talking to Jesus. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But if my father who will, go, it's, it is my father who will glorify me. 
You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. But I know him. It goes back to when I say our vision is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. This is God's heart, right? Jesus said we need to know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you are. There it is again, Jesus. Give him a shot right there, you know. But I do not, I do know him and I obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. Now it's getting heavy here. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. You got to understand that statement, I am, they knew exactly what he meant in verse 24 and verse 58. These were Jewish people. A lot of them were Jewish leaders that knew the, 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 the scriptures at the time, which was the Torah, the first five books of the law. I mean, the first five books of the Bible, which was the law uh, in Exodus. They knew exactly what he was saying because when Moses was leaving Egypt and, 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 or they, God had sent God told Moses to go get the people and tell them that I'm getting you out of Egypt. And Moses said, who should I tell, tell them sent me? And this is what, what, what is said in Exodus 3, 13, 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is your name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The Jews knew that Jesus was quoting this exact scripture when he said, I am. He used the exact same Hebrew words, even though the New Testament's written in Greek, when he was speaking it in, 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 in Aramaic, he, they knew exactly he was saying, I am God. And I mean, think about it. He said, Abraham looked forward to my day. He said, man, you're not even 50 years old. He was in his 30s. He said, before Abraham was even born, I am. He was letting them know I existed way before Abraham and I am God. Amen. Jesus makes it very clear. And they tried to refute him and go back and forth with him. Also, Jesus claimed that he's the only way to heaven. Now, this script, this statement also, especially, probably even maybe more so than him being God, saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. People have a problem with this nowadays. A lot of people have a hard time with this, and they try to refute this. They, 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 they feel, and I'll show you in a minute, uh, there's so many thoughts about this. Jesus was talking to his disciples about heaven. And they asked him how they can get to heaven. And his response in John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, a lot of people think that you can make it to heaven through different gods, through avenues, through being good, through being righteous. But Jesus makes it clear, I am the way, the truth. I am the only way. To the Father. I'm the only way to heaven. And if you notice earlier, he said, you will die in your sins unless you know this. Unless you know that I am God and that I'm the only way. That I came down fully God, fully man to die on the cross for your sins. Now, some people will say, well, that's narrow-minded to think that. Well, you ever had anybody tell you that? You're so narrow-minded to think. Well, you know what? That's okay because Jesus claimed that as well. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for those who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So if people call you narrow minded, say that's all right. So is Jesus, right? 
And their narrow-mindedness was going to bust hell wide open if they don't accept the Lord and understand that he's God and that he's the only way. Amen? Or they're open-mindedness, should I say. You know, just having... So we see it. Jesus makes it very clear that he is the only way. But listen, just because he's the only way doesn't mean that it's difficult. Jesus took the difficulty upon himself. And so you know what, when, when, when you have to know and be convicted and understand that Jesus is God and that he is the only way. He's the only one that claims what he claims as well. And you look at that throughout history. The Apostle John starts his gospel to making it very clear as well that Jesus is God. John 1, 1, the very first verse of John's gospel, in the beginning before all time was the word Christ. The Amplified puts in there, lets you know that he's talking about Christ Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. See, in John's revelation, uh, John's vision in Revelation 19, he sees Jesus returning as warrior, Messiah, king, and his name is called the Word of God. You can check that out. So let me pause here and say, I wasn't planning on saying this in the first service, but I want to encourage you, because we always encourage you, to read the Word. Your daily Bible reading is so important for you to grow in your faith and your relationship with the Lord. We always use the example, my wife and I, we would not have a strong marriage. Our marriage wouldn't continue to grow if we never communicated, right? So if you only communicate with God once a week, your, your relationship with Him is not going to be that strong. Bible reading and praying and worshiping daily is your communication with God. So people often ask me, where should I start reading? If you've never read the Bible or haven't been reading and, and, and ready to get back, I always point people to the book of John. I always tell people, start reading in the gospel of John, which is the last gospel, and then continue on through the New Testament. Because the gospel of John focuses on what we're talking about today, what's known as the deity of Christ, God, Christ being God. See, the, 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 the uh, apostles wrote four different gospels that are, they coincide, but they have different perspectives. For example, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. So he focuses a lot on Jesus's miracles. We see here out the gate, John comes out the gate saying Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word, word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on to say everything was created through Jesus as well. So whenever he said, you know, that, that, um, uh, that I was before Abraham, uh, John uh, makes this very, very clear as well. So last week, you know, we celebrated and sang and I preached about, you know, uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which also proves that he's God. And I mentioned that there was a lot of historical facts about that. And I didn't get into, uh, you know, a, a lot of them or really any of them. But as I was studying this week, it just, again, proves the point about Jesus being God and tying into the resurrection. I read this this week. In the late 1700s, early 1800s, there's a man named Dr. Simon Greenleaf who was a famous professor of law. Some of you may have heard of him. He was one of two men who made Harvard Law School what it is today. He was a brilliant man and also a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the most famously known for his work with evidence and the study of evidence in the court of law. He was considered the single leading authority on evaluation of evidence. So after much study, Dr. Greenleaf came to the conclusion that according to the laws of legal evidence used in court of law, there is more evidence, listen to this, for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which proves that he's God, than just about any other event in history. Can you believe that? This God is an expert in, in evidence and law, if you were to take that, said so there's more evidence for the resurrection than anything else in history which again proves that he is God. 
Jesus and those who spend time with him the most made it clear of this. You know, some people back then and through the years still today have called Jesus a liar, said, no, that's not who he is. Some have said he's out of his mind. Uh, the Pharisees back then when Jesus was walking the earth and teaching said he was possessed by a demon. They made all kind of accusations against him. As a matter of fact, in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis basically said, well, then that means Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Well, we know that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, uh, and, and he is God. Amen. Of course, C.S. Lewis knew that as well. And so he broke it down a lot more elegantly than that. But, I, you know, I'm not C.S. Lewis, so I'll just keep it simple. Keep it basic. The truth that Jesus is God allows us to experience certain things that we would not be able to if he were merely a moral teacher or a prophet. Those things would be great, but we wouldn't be able to experience such things as these. Number one, we can experience his power. Now listen to me. I didn't say we can know about his power. There's a difference than knowing God's powerful than experiencing his power. There's a difference in that. Just as everything we're going to talk about today. There's a story a lot of you are familiar with shows this as well, the difference between the two and how knowing about God's power led a woman to experience his power. It's found in Luke 8.40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Verse 43, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Some, trend, some gospels say she had spent her life savings and only got worse. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not be unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You see, this woman obviously heard that Jesus was powerful, but this led her to him to reach out to him and experience his power. See, in one of the most, this shows us one of the most notable experience of God's power is a transformed life. Amen? Just as a couple of weeks ago I said and showed you from Scripture that the most powerful miracle that can take place is somebody becoming born again. Well, the most, the most uh, notable experience of God's power is somebody's life being transformed. And not just in a moment when somebody comes to the altar or gets saved, but daily as somebody's lives, life continues to change over and over. You see, this was not only a physical transformation, but also a spiritual one for this woman. Because back then in this culture, a woman that had constant bleeding would be considered ceremoniously unclean, and she could not even participate in community worship. Could you imagine like today, if like, you know, you had some kind of, uh, you know, disease or something you couldn't be healed from, and the church would say you couldn't come to church? That's how it was for this lady for years, like over a decade that she struggled with this. And so her transformation was both physical, spiritual, but you got to think, you know, it had to be emotionally freeing for her as well. She was desperate to experience God's power. Do you desire or maybe even desperate for the power of God today? Not just knowing that God's powerful and that he can, but experiencing his power. Let me pause and say this. Uh, I, I don't know, this might have been a couple of years ago. I have a, a, a dear friend of mine, very close friend. Uh, he was a pastor and now is also a worship leader. And we were just talking about ministry one day and, and about worship. And, and 
and certain songs that we worship to. And he said, you know, Brandon, I just wonder sometimes, we're just talking, we've always had great conversations about this. He said, I just wonder if sometimes we focus too much like on the experience of worship, of like feeling God and stuff like that. And, and, and some people, and we're not, we're not focusing enough on, on the Bible and theology and sound doctrine. And I said, well, man, of course, we're all about sound doctrine. And he wasn't saying that about our church. I mean, he loves our church. We were just having a conversation about church in our age in general. And I said, well, of course, we're a Bible-believing church. We preach the gospel. We're all about sound doctrine and theology. But I said this, and this may be for somebody in here. I said, you know, man, what I think is the way I was brought up in a denomination I was brought up in, I was taught you can't experience God. You can't experience his presence or his power. And I feel like what we do in worship and what we try to encourage you to do is if you've never experienced him, is to experience the power of God in your life. You know, and, 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 and the same thing, and I might have jumped ahead of myself because this wasn't in my notes, but I just want to let you know that it's more than a head knowledge. Yes, we need sound doctrine, theology. That's all important. That's, again, that's why we teach the Bible. We have life groups, and we make it very clear. That's why I'm really preaching this message for you today. You may believe this, but you need to know this if somebody challenges you on Jesus' deity, but you can experience the presence of God. Don't listen. The presence and power of God. I'm jumping ahead to my second point already. I'm bleeding over here. And so... Don't let anybody, the enemy or anything you've been taught, let people tell, let people tell you that you can't experience the Lord Jesus because you can. You can experience. And, and I'm not just talking about a fear, feeling, but a manifestation of his power in your life. I believe the more we desire and are even desperate for the power of God, we'll experience it. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ. There you go again. He's talking about a personal relationship. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. See, Paul continued to desire the power of Jesus, and we know from reading the New Testament that he experienced it, right? He experienced miracles and the power of God in his own life and through others. See, reach out in faith today and continue to desire and ask the Lord for that power. See, that same power that flowed from Jesus to that woman that day, he said, I saw power, I felt power come out from me. Just because power comes out don't mean that he has less of it. Ephesians tells us it's unlimited. The power of God's unlimited. Look at Ephesians 1.19. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. Come on, somebody. His power is active, too. You ain't got to kickstart it every day. The power of God's always flowing, is always full, is unlimited and actively working in and through our lives. Amen. So because Jesus is God, we can experience his power. Number two, because he's God, we can experience his presence. I gave you a little preview of that point a couple of times just a while ago. After Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit so we could always be able to experience his presence. And really what I was talking about is really this, experiencing the presence of God. Look at what 1 John 3.24 says. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. You know, one of the greatest ways to experience his presence is through worship, right? Any of y'all experienced the presence of God this morning while we were worshiping? You know, yes, yes. And you know, that's really what I was talking about earlier. I said I jumped ahead. You know, when I first got saved, I was fasting and I was still painting for a living and I was actually working at a church and it's, it was a denominational church and, and, and the, the, the leader of that church came up to me, had been in ministry for 40 years 
And he started asking me questions and he, and, and he said, hey, are you going to own your own business one day? And I said, I don't know, whatever God wants. And he said, oh, that's awesome. And then he asked me if I was a part of that denomination. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I actually was growing up, but I, then I got saved. And that opened up a can of worms right there. <laughs> when I told him I got saved and I got born again. And I, we started talking. And as we started talking, and I didn't know much. I didn't know much at all. But I had mentioned something about the presence of God, and he told me this. He looked me in my face and said, Brandon, you can't feel the presence of God. That's your emotions that you're feeling. And this is a man that had been in ministry for 40 years. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I turned around and I said, hey, you may not be able to feel the presence of God, but I've been feeling his presence on this property all day, just worshiping and, and working, you know? And I, Amen? And that's what I was talking about. See, I grew up in that denomination. And I know that's the thinking and the thought, and you have maybe been thought that, like, you get God's way in the heavens. He's, he, he's, he's not going to come down and allow you to experience. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible tells us in 1 John that we have a deep abiding ability in us by the Holy Spirit to experience God's presence. And that's what I was telling my friend. And he said, man, I never looked at it that way. Because I said, what about those? Because he said, maybe we focus on experience too much. So, but what about people that walk in church and never experience God? And it made him stop and think. He said, man, I never thought about it. That's a, that's a good way. So it's a balance, y'all. We need the, the presence of God and we need the word of God, right? We need the power of God. We, we need it all. There ain't nothing left out, right? Just as we just read, you know, again, his, his presence is not just for church services, but it abides in us so we can experience his presence in our daily life. We actually need the presence of God every day. Amen. It's not just like, oh, man, this would be cool. No, we need his presence. Moses understood this. He knew this because Moses had many powerful experiences with the Lord's presence. So when God was calling them out and they were leaving Egypt to go out into the promised land, I love this is probably my favorite scripture on the presence of God, maybe in the whole Bible. Exodus 33, 15 and 16. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How would anyone know that you look favorably on me? On me are your people if you don't go with us. This verse right here, this is it. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people of the earth. Church, the presence of God shouldn't be taken lightly. Moses said it's the presence of God that sets us apart from everybody else. It's not that we come to church. It's not that we, you know, uh, 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 post scriptures online. Both of those things are great. Hey, I'm much, please post scriptures online. We need to flood that with more than all the other junk that's out there. Of course, it's important to come to church and whatnot. But listen, this is important to know that the presence of God should be something we experience on a daily basis. And like Moses say, Lord, I'm not going to work tomorrow unless you come with me. Now, even if you don't feel his presence, you still got to go to work, by the way, okay? You can't call in and say, uh, sir, I'm not coming to work today because the Lord's presence is not with me. And, and so and so, you may need his presence at home after that if you, if you don't go to work, right? But you know what I'm saying? My point is, hey, Lord, I don't want to do this on my own. That's, that's a prayer I pray almost every day, especially every Sunday. I was praying it this morning in my office. I was praying on that, the, the front pew before the second service. And you've heard me pray it. Lord, I don't want to do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help. I'm asking the Lord, would your presence increase in my life as I live my life as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor, no matter what we do. See, Moses reminded the Lord of his promise to accompany, accompany the people on their journey. In fact, when the nation of Israel sang God's praises at the Red Sea, they rejoiced in the promises of God's victorious presence. Moses made his request so direct to God because he understood what God was doing. Now listen to this. The Exodus was not just about getting the Israelites out of Egypt so they can go to Canaan. 
It was about a personal experience with God that would change how they lived every day. And it's the same with us. Amen. We know back then the presence of God was symbolic of the cloud, uh, uh, a cloud by day and fire at night. Right now they had a fire that was directing them and giving them, you know, uh, fire by night, cloud by day. Did I say that backwards the first time? Okay, I said it right that time. Fire at night, cloud by day. But thank God now we got the fire of the Holy Ghost inside of us. Amen. Pastor Kelly's looking at me like, I don't know. Did you say that? <laughs> so the same is true for us, y'all. You know, I, again, I love verse 16. Probably my favorite verse. And I, I think I, I said it again. But for your presence among us sets your people apart from all the people on the earth. You know, we had a great service last week. And I just want to thank all of y'all that invited people and brought people uh, for the Easter service. So I was calling people from the connection cards this week and just asking them, hey, you know, I always ask, how's your experience with us? Do you have any questions? And, you know, some people say, I want to be a Christian. I want to know what it's, you know, what it means, more of what it means to be a Christian or want to get involved, next steps, whatever. So having a conversation with this lady and she said, you know, my daughter invited me to come to church and I really didn't want to come. But I felt like at the very last second I needed to come. And she said, from the moment service started, I felt like I needed to cry. But I was holding it in. I held it back the whole time. She said, finally, that last song we sang, the song Resurrecting, that we worshiped to. She said, I just couldn't help myself anymore. And she said, I just burst into tears. And I just began to cry. What is that, church? It's the presence of God that you've experienced. And you know, yes, amen. Amen. Because, you know, we hear it all the time as pastors, as staff. We hear people, they, they like, they can't explain it. They'll come to church and maybe even you in here for the first time or for first few times. Like, man, I like every time I come to church, I want to cry, you know, or, or like, man, I just always feel good when I leave church or I always feel peaceful. Matter of fact, there's people that will come on, on our campus sometimes. Just recently, a young man that comes here was just hanging out on the bench and, 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 and uh, on our campus. And we've asked people, hey, what's going on? Like, man, I just it's peaceful over here. I just. They sense God's presence because we pray that. I prayed that this morning, that these grounds would be saturated with the presence of God. But that's what people, even when I, we love to hear that because we know they can't explain what's going on. I remember the first time I ever began to cry. And this was, I just got saved, 2002. Mercy Me, I think I just came out with their second CD. And I'm, I'm, I'm with my mom in a car and we're driving to Arkansas on vacation. And we're listening to the CD. And I just like, my, my eyes tear up and I'm just welling up in my eyes. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm crying, but like, I'm happy, you know, like, and, and then like, I look over at my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm crying and I don't know why. And she just like, as proud as a mom that had been praying for me for 12, uh, 10 years could be, she smiled and she said, baby, that's the presence of God. You sense it. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was. It's just like, like, I've never cried before and felt good at the same time, you know? So, so, but you know what, but it's true. We, but that's experiencing God's presence. And again, church, don't, it's not just goosebumps and tears, right? I mean, that's part of it, but it's, it's experiencing knowing that God is present. His presence means he's present with us, right? Knowing that God is with you. If you're saved, he's in you. If you baptize with the Holy Spirit, he's overflowing out of you, right? And so we need to understand that we can. Listen, uh, Psalm 97, 5. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord and at the presence of the Lord of the all, of all the earth. See, Things we experience in life have a way of hardening our hearts, causing fear and worry, even anger. 
And these things can cause us to erect walls between us and God. But listen, I believe according to that scripture, when we experience the presence of Jesus, our hard hearts begin to melt and walls begin to crumble between us and God. And I think that's what you and a lot of people this lady last week was experiencing. Amen. So not only can you experience the power of God and the presence of God, but the third and final thing is you can experience his peace, the peace of God. This scripture I'm about to read in Isaiah 9, 6 is often quoted for Christmas, but this is a powerful scripture. Look what it says. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now this is a prophecy about Jesus. I love this. Isaiah declared both his humanity, a child is born, and his deity by saying a son is given, right? God's son is given about the Lord Jesus Christ. This prophecy is also a proclamation together of Jesus both being God and the Prince of Peace. See, all four of these names are what's called throne names. They're, they're, they're names of a king, of a, of a coming kingdom. And it signifies the nature of Jesus' reign as King of Kings. See, the Prince of Peace is a leader who brings peace to his people. Isaiah prophesied that thousands of years before Jesus was born, and then thousands of years later, Jesus says this himself in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you, my perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Now, I love how the Amplified hones in on it here. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength in every challenge. Isn't that awesome? Yes, his peace calms us, but it's not just like, oh, shit, that was a comfortable little calm there, you know? No, it's also to give you courage. I mean, sometimes we need that, right? Sometimes we're going so crazy, you want to just be like, oh, shit, that feels good. You know, I just need peace right now. But it's also, what does it say? Strength and courage in every challenge, right? You remember what it, last week we talked about, what it, what did Jesus say to his disciples that was afraid right when he walked in the room and to Thomas when he was doubting? What did he say? Peace be with you. Shalom. He, he knew they were scared. They, Thomas was, was uh, not believing. And the first thing he tells them is peace. So that peace was giving them courage. Then they had joy. And then they went and turned the world upside down. Amen. You know, I've seen families who have lost loved ones in this church. Just recently, even yesterday, we went to two visitations yesterday, two wakes. And they, they're, as hard as it is, they're experiencing the peace of God. Your mind and your heart may be in turmoil today, but you can experience that per perfect peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Jesus is God, you can experience his power present and his peace. As I close today, maybe you've never experienced or even believed that Jesus is God. So you can experience the Lord Jesus' power, presence, and peace but only if you experience his salvation. You have to first experience the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can do that today. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept the marvelous gift of God's kindness, that salvation, and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. Hey, let me stop and say, some of you have been praying, and you don't know if God heard you, but he heard you. That's for, that, that may be one a word for somebody to take home today that you needed to hear. God hears you. When you prayed, he, you cried out to him, he heard you. At just the right time, he said, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. 
Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, Jesus said he's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, as I was at one of these wakes these, at the funeral home just recently, I, was, I met a family member, the love, uh, a, love, the, the, a member of our church was her loved one that passed, and this was her family member. And as I met him and began to talk to him, and he began to tell me how great that his, his family member was and, and, and whatnot, he was a good father and grandfather and all these kind of things, but then he said this, he said, I hope that he made it. He said, it concerns me because I hope that he made it. And it just breaks my heart when I hear that. When a family member has to bury someone and not know if their loved one's in eternity. Well, they are in eternity, but if they're in heaven in eternity. Jesus, make, Jesus makes it clear. If we die in our sins, I read that earlier. If we don't accept Him, repent of our sins and turn to Him as our Lord, He's the only way. We will spend eternity separated from Him. But God so loved the world, He sent Jesus to take our sin for us. To die on a cross and to be died and rose again. Do me a favor, bow your head with me, just close your eyes. You know, that just went through me like a lightning rod when I heard that recently. It may not be about a loved one in here. It may be about yourself. If you say, Brandon, if today was my last day on this planet, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Don't be fooled, church. Jesus is the only way. But He made a way. And it's not difficult. It's us repenting. Admitting we have sinned and then turning to, to God and asking Him to forgive us and making Jesus our Lord and Savior. If you say, Brandon, if today was my last day, if that was my funeral you went to yesterday, I don't know if I would make it. But I want to be sure. You know, you can be sure. You know, church, I've struggled with a lot of things over the year. One thing I've never struggled with is my salvation. No matter how many things I've messed up in in the last 19 years, I've never doubted if I'm going to heaven. When you're truly born again and you're truly saved, you know that you're eternally secure because you're trusting in Jesus and not anything else. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I would make it, but I want to be sure today. I need to get right with God. Just slip up your hand. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I see your hands going up right here in the middle. Hands over here to my left. Thank you, Jesus. Over here. Young people. Anybody else in the back to my right? I see your hands over here. Thank you. Thank you, young man, for being bold. Anybody else? Right here, sir. I see your hand. Say, man, I want to make it. I want to make it. Jesus said, I see your hand. Jesus said, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's here today, and he makes it clear that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, that He is Lord, we will be saved. So I want to lead you in a simple prayer. All you that raise your hands, and we're going to pray this together as a church. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the free gift of salvation. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I repent of my sin. I turn to you, and I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and the strength that I need to experience and walk in your power, your presence, and your peace all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice and celebrate with these today. Amen.
Hey, there's a, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says connection card. Hey, fill out the right part of that card. Tear it off. Bring it to the info center. Hey, listen, we want to pray for you. I'd love to connect with you later this week and, and, and see how you're doing. We want to give you a Bible. Uh, we want to know, uh, you know, uh, that you made this decision and want to help you in your journey. Why don't you stand up with me as we conclude this service? I just want to pray over you alone these three lines. Maybe you say, Brandon, I've heard about the power of God, but man, there's something going on in my life right now. I need to experience God's power. Why don't you lift your hands? Let me pray for you. And I want you to pray too and cry out to the Lord. Come on. Just like that woman with the issue of blood. Maybe you've tried many, many things. Thank you, Kevin. Maybe many things. Maybe even spent money trying to solve these things, but it's only gotten worse. Come on. You need the power of God today. Father, I pray for those with their hands raised. They need a miracle. They need your power flowing in and through their lives. Lord, would you pour out your power, and Lord God, your provision upon them. You are Jehovah Jireh, Lord God. Pour out your power. May they experience the real power of, of Jesus Christ in their lives. In Jesus' name. Now, maybe some of you say, Brandon, I've experienced God's presence here and there, but it's been a while. I need an increase, and I want to experience his presence even more. Lift your hands if that's you. Father, I pray that we would walk in your presence, live in your presence, that we would have the same heart as Moses and say, Lord, I don't want to go another day. I don't want to take a step without your presence. Lord, if you don't go with us, we won't go, Lord, because it's your presence among us that sets us apart. Lord, help us to be a a set-apart holy people because we're experiencing and walking in your presence, Lord. Now, if you just go ahead and put your hands down, and you may have came in here with a heavy heart or some turmoil in your mind, and you say, Brandon, I need some peace in my life. Just lift your hands if you're just desiring the peace of God to just rest on you today. Father, I pray for those that need peace today in their lives. I do pray for our calm. As you calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee and said, peace be still, I pray that your peace would overwhelm them. May they sense a tangible experience of your peace. But Father, I also pray that this peace would strengthen them and give them the courage, Lord, as your word says, to walk through the trials and the challenges in life. May they be infused. May we all be infused with your power, your presence, and your peace today. Lord Jesus, we know and declare you are God. You are the King of kings and Lord of all lords. We love you, exalt you, and worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we love y'all. God bless y'all. Hey, if you need prayer for anything specifically, maybe something you're going through, some peace or something, you want somebody to pray with you, we'll have people up here to pray with you at the altar. We love you. Have a great day.